Hey, everybody. We're Bob and Audrey, a husband and wife team. And this is our podcast all about relationships. We are marriage and relationship enthusiasts. Believe me, there is a God-given design to thrive in both life and love. And we think that Jesus is amazing and worth following with everything you have. On this podcast, we are putting together the truths and best practices we have learned over our 35 years of marriage, and more specifically, over the past 18 years, where we have spent our lives helping people love their relationships. After getting through our own family crisis, we became passionate about rescuing and mentoring others. We have authored numerous books and developed on-demand courses that can be found on our website, lovemarriedlife.com. And with all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Welcome to our podcast, all about relationships. We're Bob and Audrey, and again, thank you for taking time to invest in your life and in your relationships. There's something about having great relationships. They just actually result in a great life. And I think that you being your best you just means I'm going to invest in my relationships. And listening to this podcast is just one of those things that you can do to invest in wisdom, strategies, and we're going to cover so many different topics as these move on. We just have a really, sure. we're just full, chocked full of things that we'd love to talk to you about. And we will. We'll and get we there. will. Yeah. But we really do feel it's important to tell you our story first yeah. in these first few podcasts. But what we want you to do is to really begin in a whole new way. This is the invitation to really love your life with God yes. while experiencing phenomenal relationships. Yeah. And that is the thing that was lost was this love relationship, intimate, close. Um, here's my working definition for intimate in, in a relationship. You know, to be intimate, it, it's not just that sexual union, but to be intimate is to be fully known and to be fully loved. And I think for you and I, Audrey, that was something we really didn't f- understand. Um, we had so many other um, good key, things going for yeah, us. Yeah, good things, yeah, really good, good things, things going, going for, for us. Yeah. Uh, that we, I think, hid behind those. Yeah, we relied and, on And those. it's almost as though then your strengths, even in character, your, your no, I don't want to say character, in personality. Yeah. Your, your strengths in personality, <laughs> not character. This was, <laughs> no, we, we, we were, we we were functioning in the character department. <laughs> but um, your strengths in personality, you can hide behind. Definitely. To where then they turn and begin to work against you and they yes. become a real weakness. Yes, absolutely. And, and, it's, an, and it's a strength that's overused. Mm-hmm. And so we were so um, we were relying, self, self-dependent. And relying on our personalities and yep. our human strength to get through. But then we're not having that foundation of rest yeah. and security. But nobody would ever say, you know, therefore, God, I don't need you. Not consciously. But, but, but what it is, is God, I'm going to use my abilities mm-hmm. to please you. Mm-hmm. That's what you and I really wanted to do. We wanted to make God so happy with yes. all that we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. And it turned into a very working hard, trying hard lifestyle. Yeah, because self is still at the very center of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, it begins, you know, in, in a very humble way. And, and to be humble isn't to degrade yourself, but to be humble is to not degrade yourself, not to think more of yourself than what you should, but then also not to think 
less of yourself than you should, Mm -hmm. but to know the truth of your dignity, of your value and worth. And that comes from intimacy. And that intimacy is to be fully known and to be fully loved. So I want to be really known by God. Mm-hmm. And I want to be fully loved by him, you know, that which requires that vulnerability, that openness, that transparency. You know, when we, you and I were, were married back in 1984, we stood, you know, be, before each other, you know, exchanged vows and, and never thinking that 17 years later we would be facing a betrayal. You know, never thinking we'd be facing this this uh, tragic uh, season in, in our life. But there you are, you know, believing, you know, that you're, you will be vulnerable, that you will be open because it's that vulnerability, that it's that transparency, it's the openness, it's the honesty that paves the way to real intimacy. But what you experience... And to healing. We yeah. really needed to get healed. But what, but what you experience in any relationship, and what we were experiencing were disappointments. The title of our book, Marriage Undercover, Thriving in a Culture of Quiet Desperation, it's that quiet desperation. It's those hurts and wounds and disappointments that we have that are really unspoken. And then you begin to project unmet expectations on one another. And, and it's, it's, it's slow. It's not anything that happens overnight mm-hmm. that you find yourself, you know, in an affair where you find yourself, you know, at each other's throat. It, it doesn't happen overnight, but it accumulates over time. And then you begin to pivot and turn away from one another. No longer are you face to face. But now you learn how to survive and exist with each other. And if you want, we can go there. I can talk about when we first got married, and I know when the dysfunction started in our relationship. You know, we're talking about a crisis that happened 17 years in, but it really happened right after we got married. We had never fought before in our marriage. We had never had that kind of relationship where we could... I I remember probably the first time that I felt that violation as far as I just felt really hurt. By, by something you had done. And it wasn't something huge. It was more you hurt my feelings. You know, you accidentally, you with no intention, you accidentally hurt my feelings. And it was in the kitchen. I remember where we were. And I had just made dinner. And I always wanted to serve. I always wanted to love you. I always had a really natural desire to please. I'm a real pleasing kind of person. And I wanted to please you. And um, after dinner, we were going to go catch this the sunset with our bicycles, mm-hmm. go to Cinnaboyne Park. And um, I quickly wiped the cupboards after a counter after making those Swedish meatballs. Remember the ones with the pineapple and the peppers that I made every other night? <laughs> I wiped the counters. And then you said, are you done wiping the counters? And I'm like, well, yeah. And then you said, let me show you how to wipe some counters. And I remember standing there and you asked me to watch carefully as you told me about how to clean. And, and, and it wasn't that I love that you clean and I love that you have high standards. That's just something about who it's you are. It's a part of my personality. It really yeah. is to have those high standards. But in the moment, I didn't know that as much as I felt like, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough for you. And you're making me feel like I'm a little child learning how to clean. 
that you're so good and I'm so stupid. That's basically what the message that you were sending to me. Yeah. And By then, accident. I mean, this, this could be something that's humorous, uh, but it's the message you know, that we attach to the incident. Yes. You know, this took place, but we're the ones that pass the judgment. We're the ones that attach the significance or the value mm-hmm. of what it says about me. And we also and rather have- than being able to talk about it, because I, I think a lot of times you, you don't even know in the moment, but it, it, it affirmed you know, a, a lie within you that you believed about yourself. Yeah, it, it, I was already oversensitive before you ever did that. I wanted to be perfect and I want to be the best. Right. And that what you're saying was that I am and, less... And so I, 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 I bring this up. We bring yeah. this up because we all have a history. We yes. all have a past. We all have a culture that we come... Where we come from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that coming together and, and building a life together does require, you know, not just, you know, a lot of mercy towards one another, but it requires and demands from us a vulnerability so that when we are honest, when we are open with each other, it's not that, you know, I'm sharing this to hurt you or to harm you, Mm -hmm. but rather I'm sharing this because I desire and I want you. And so so that's, I feel it's real important as we've shared our previous podcasts, you know, and, and people, because when we, when Audrey, when you and I are open and vulnerable and there's a listener, all of a sudden it demands that very same thing from them, that vulnerability and transparency. And so I just want to be able to help them, you know, to say, okay, in, in, in this journey, this is, this is, I, I don't, I don't have to make these monster steps. No, but I really want to just continue this story because it really does apply to why, how does an affair happen to someone like us? Yeah. And so what happened was that disappointment of I didn't tell you that I was hurt that day. I was just, hurt. my feelings were hurt. But then it piled up on each other because it became a pattern because of our different standards of, of yeah. cleaning, for and, instance. And our different personalities. Yeah. I, 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 I just like to do things, Very, not necessarily my way, but I have a perception that my way is a better way or a more right way. And it and usually so let's is. Do it. <laughs> but let's do it, it my way. Especially when it comes to cleaning, babe, it probably is better. I like it better when you clean because you do it so well. You'll get to know Bob and I as we go. Basically, this is... And so here's, <laughs> let me just say this as you're listening. If you like clean... <laughs> and you like things done a certain way, do it. Do it for yourself and don't impose those standards on others. Yes. Done. And don't get mad when people come and mess up your clean kitchen. Right. But the thing is, is that you're fine getting to know us and, and we and we know that you're getting to know each other and all your different relationships. I do things very fast and very efficiently and I and I will meet my deadlines. Yes. Bob will do things very right very amazing, very correct, but he won't care as much about deadlines. Well, the big ones you will, but you're not in a hurry. I'll hit the deadline. Yeah, but you're not in a hurry. But it might be the midnight hour. Yes, there mm-hmm. you go. Exactly. And so um, basically what happened was, we, here we are, we're just married. And so these we come from different homes. 
where there's there's different forms of family culture that we come from, just like any other marriage or partnership or even friends that live together with their roommates. You all yep. come with these different family cultures. And so what happened was that hurt my feelings that night, but then the disappointments of feeling hurt piled up on each other to the point where... You know, we've never had a fight or we've never even had a confrontation, but I probably should tell Bob that he's hurting my feelings because now it's now it's getting to be too much. Yeah, I need it, to pile them on. It's accumulated It's accumulated. So I didn't do it right away, mistake number one. And then I waited till they were emotional. And then I said, Bob, you know what? You have been hurting my feelings. And I took it took so much courage and so much guts to tell him that because it's not my natural ability to confront. And I grew up in a home where it was foreign to have awkward conversations, but I did it anyway. I said, Bob, um, it really has hurt me here, 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 here. And I probably did it with way much, too much emotion at that point because I just been hurt. Well, you've been hurt and now you're telling me. Yes. And, and I'm saying it's all your fault. Right. My fault. Now I have to make a correction. Yes. So I've been doing something for a long period of time that I knew nothing about. Nothing. You had no clue. I gave you no clue. So what I do then is come to my own defense. Heck yes, I, you did. I, I have to defend. <laughs> I remember that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to defend me. Yeah, you Because do. I would never do anything to hurt you or to harm you. That's right. the furthest thing from my mind. So for you to take it as hurt, a, as hurt is new information for not you. Not new information, but you're wrong. Right. You see, and I and didn't so, do and that. So to hurt again, you. I'm projecting right. You say it was wrong for you to feel that way. I'm saying, well, I did feel that way. So how can you tell me it's wrong? And then you say it makes because no sense. Because it's wrong. <laughs> right. It makes no sense. But yeah. I'm saying, but it was real. Yep. So do you, I'm thinking that we're hearing the emotion. Yeah. That happened. And so because I am not comfortable with awkward or difficult conversations, I back down immediately. But And I make a judgment. Right. And, You'll and, never actually hear my heart. And a lot of arguments, you know, will continue mm -hmm. because you're defending self. Yes. You're defending your position. And if the other person isn't listening or understanding or agreeing with your position, you'll say it louder. You'll say it in another way yeah. un until you feel as though that you're heard. And that's how arguments can escalate so quickly. And in that, what happened in that, in that incident, just a few months after getting married, is we set a precedence for how communication was going to happen in our marriage. I made a decision, a judgment that I don't want to bring up stuff because this did not go well. I shared my heart, I told you I was hurt, and you got angry for a period of days, and I and it did not it didn't bring and any again, resolve. My anger isn't at you. The anger is towards me because I would never ever want to do anything to hurt you. So this self-hatred, mm -hmm. you know, comes up, but you experience it. You know, you're experiencing my self-hatred. I just knew it didn't help anything no. by bringing it up. I just thought this just opened a can of worms yeah. that needs to stay covered yeah. up. Yeah. This did not go well for us. And so now, you know, I have controlled. Yes, okay? and now I have to I build I have controlled this. through my rightness. Mm -hmm. I, you know, in, in, in my rightness, it's, 
I, I kept demanding, you know, my way that you would see things, you know, from my perspective, you know, that's what was going on in, in me. And that has to do a lot with, with my personality. And then there's a control, you know, that you were. I decide to control by hiding. And I, sweetness. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to be sweet and I'm going to be pleasing. And I'm going to make sure that we never have awkward conversations again. We'll just, I'll just learn how to clean your way. I'll learn how to do things your way. I'll just choose not to be hurt, but I'm not going to actually ever tell you my heart of where I'm being hurt. Because if I tell you where I'm being hurt by you specifically, mm-hmm. I can tell you maybe I'm hurt by other people. But when I tell you that you're hurting me, you won't hear me. And so I'm better off not to tell you. Mm-hmm. So I closed myself off a little bit by little bit by little bit. And we, were, we began a dysfunctional cycle in our marriage where I was, could get hurt possibly. It's yeah. not like you hurt me often. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a communication um, pattern. Yeah, it was a communication know, pattern. Mm-hmm. And so I might get slightly hurt by you. Um, by your standards or by that I wasn't, you know, whatever it was, but I would just learn and I would close myself off and I wouldn't tell you. And so that began a cycle that happened. Then it becomes a well-paved road. And now we're going around this over and over again. And I'm getting more and more, if you think of pavement, I'm, it's yeah. been traveled on enough that it's hard now. But then it becomes predictable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, then the other person, uh, you become predictable. So anytime that you step outside of that role, it feels awkward or uncomfortable. Right. You, you feel that If friction. I try again to confront, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that won't go well. And so, you know, we're sharing this, you know, trying to help you understand yeah. our uniquenesses. And, yeah. And and hopefully you can begin to layer this it's over really, your relationship. Really, really worth as talking well. about. I'd like to interrupt and and um, let our listeners know of an e course that we have. It's called the Newlywed Course. Yes, and we're so passionate about oh, it. But it would help anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in your first five seven years, the course would help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be in your second third marriage, mm-hmm. but. It would help you. Mm -hmm. Or premarital, yeah, if you're about to get married. Premarital, excellent. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it begins to help you to not only set the trajectory of your relationship, but it'll also give you some principles in changing, you know, or to recalibrate. And it, it helps really with that, the small places, you know, the the um, quantum at the very quantum level the smallest place you know within the beliefs of the heart if i can change that it will really change you know the distance it'll help me hit the mark if i make just this little correction here and now over the years the effect will be so beneficial. So anyway, I just wanted our listeners to know that that is available. The newlywed course. The newlywed course. course, and it'll be extremely helpful. Yes. And and when we think back, you say, well, we, we, you've been, Audrey and Bob, you were talking about this intense time of your life, this valley that has been so deep. And now you're talking about, you're talking about a little fight or a little disconnect that a you disappointment. had. It's a, a dis- disappointment. It was a disappointment that happened a couple months into our marriage, but it began a dysfunction. And a pattern, yes. And it began a pattern where I closed my heart off so that when I was hurt, when Bob hurt me, 
I didn't tell him and I was not honest with him uh, because it didn't work. Now, speaking of changing the quantum at the quantum level, now, because we know this about ourselves, now Bob and I have learned through all these years of hearing each other's heart is that now we know we want to be a safe place for each other where now I can tell Bob, you know what? You hurt me here. And I know you didn't mean to, but this really did hurt me. So instead of being defensive and explain himself, Bob knows that it's important to hear my heart. Yeah. And again, these, I think are in some ways, you know, easier, easier to, to be described as a skill you learn. Yes. And, I don't want you to think as, you know, them just being the mechanics of a relationship, but really what it is, it's the most loving thing you can do for the other person. Yes. It's actually This isn't losing. This isn't, you know, a place where you just kind of give in, but rather this is, I, I want to know you and in knowing you, I can then more accurately love you. Yes. And so coming back then to my definition of intimacy, to be fully known and to be fully loved. Um, Audrey, I, I would like to continue, you know, with our, our, our story. story. It and, started and, with a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so, and we will obviously continue this, this, this little stream of disappointment will be through many of our podcasts right. because it really does begin. Most relationship yeah. disconnect starts with a disappointment. Yeah, and, and if you're listening, you're in like, yeah, I've been disappointed. Yeah. But then here's what happens. If left unattended, and compounded upon over time, you will harden your heart. And, and divorce, Jesus says very simply, divorce happens because of hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to harden my heart towards you. So anytime that, again, I would share something with you, I would be vulnerable or open. Um, it's a, it can be a scary place, but I'm doing this not to defend myself, but because I desire and I want you and I don't want to harden my heart against you. I'm so thankful that we've gotten to these places where we can connect now on an intimate level. And that really is our prayer for you for all of your relationships, your deep ones. This is deep relationships with your your family, your siblings, your mom and dad and your children. And we're going to help navigate through that. But let's go back now to our story. And um, we left episode two at the end. We were talking about that first night, Bob. Remember mm-hmm. how hard that was and that difficulty. And just that deep despair. Yes. No hope, no future. And so the next day, you know, you took time and you told your parents. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit of relief because now I'm not, you know, holding this all See, myself. Yes, this new information. Um, it, I was a little offended because your parents really... Took to you, you know, well, feeling they didn't, your hurt they didn't, and pain. They didn't take to you is what it was. They didn't yep. judge the way you were judging, the yep. way you thought they should. I thought they should, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not funny. But, um, yeah, and, and, and again, I kept looking for that sympathy. I kept looking for, for that, you know, the poor you. you know, that, because I, I was a- still, I, I wanted to be that victim. Yeah, when, and the victim is thirsty for sympathy. Oh. And that's when you have a victim near you in a relationship because people can stay victims for years and yeah. years. 
they will just subconsciously be begging for your sympathy, yeah. but it'll never heal them and they'll never get it. It'll be an insatiable never. thirst that yeah. will never be filled yeah. because we weren't meant to be victims. Mm-hmm. We were meant to take personal responsibility. Yeah. And, and yes, exactly. Because what it says is I'm in this condition because, because of, of you. you. And, and, as, and I take no responsibility for me. And something that we are is a huge indicator in anybody's life is if they're blaming somebody else yeah. for their current condition. And, and so even people that come into our office for personal counseling and, and we go through deep traumas with people, if they're ready to take personal responsibility and stop blaming the other person, yeah. but to see what is it in me that yeah. can change? That's the key question right there. Yeah. What is it inside of me that has a potential to grab hold of God's reality here for mm-hmm. me? Where can I change my way? Where can I have a course yeah. correction? Yeah. Then, then I know there's hope. Yeah. And these are things that we know better today. Oh yeah, this is eighteen years after that we the fact. didn't know then. Yeah, we definitely didn't we know were them not, then. Right. We were so broken, so right. devastated, right. so lost, right. honey. We were barely making it through every day. I remember the pain being so real mm-hmm. that one minute felt like it took an hour yeah. to pass. Yeah. And so you might even have you know the wisdom or the knowledge, but when 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 you're having the pain of it, the pain that, that pain is so blinding. Yes. And all you want to do many times is to self-medicate. And you believe that sympathy would help you, you know, in, in that way. So you, you told your you told your parents mm-hmm. and then later that afternoon, we're just talking the second day. We're talking twenty-four hours later. Um, we got on a plane. Yeah, my, my, my pastor and friend Leo gave me a call mm-hmm. and he was, we were living at the time in Winnipeg, Manitoba and he's in Phoenix, Arizona. And he says, if you can get here, we'll take care of you. And so your cousin Lorraine gave us buddy passes to fly from Winnipeg to Toronto. We spent the night, uh, in, in the airport horrible, horrible night. I'm, I'm having these hate thoughts towards you and then these extreme loving thoughts for you. I mean, it was an up and down worse than a yo-yo. And then we, then we fly and everything inside of me, you know, and I'm sharing these stories because I want you to know that if, if you're in this place, you're not alone in the craziness of thought. But what I wanted to do more than anything it was, you know, protect self, prove myself right, and you wrong. And and I began, even in those early moments, for you to just make the next, you know, to take that next step and to leave. I could feel you and pushing I began, me away. Yes, and I really did. I could feel did, you pushing, pushing yep. me away. I, I, could, I could see the hatred in your eyes. I remember being beside you in the plane. And you had taken off your wedding ring and you made it very obvious to me that the ring was gone. And I noticed and you just glared at me. Yep. And that glare, everything yep. in your, your we, the message in your face was just go, yep. just leave me, yep. just be done yep. with me. You, yep. you have obviously not chosen me. Take the next yep. step. Don't push through this. I have all this. the evidence, evidence. It's against all your you. fault. Yep. You are the most selfish person in the yep. world. I yep. want nothing to do with you. That's what I was hearing oh, through your eyes. Oh, and that's exactly, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't say it. I couldn't be more sorry for what I'd done. I know. I couldn't have taken back the time and made the right choice. Right. And I remember feeling just such such desperation that I can't 
turn back time. I can't take away what I did. So what am I supposed to do? And after Phoenix, can we just actually fast forward or did you want to? Well, what I'd like to say is that during that time, because this is what I love about the body of Christ, because it shouldn't be rare, but sometimes it is. And and I do, I, I feel it's important, you know, in us sharing the story, just of what people did for us. And, you know, there might be a listener today where you can do something for someone else, mm-hmm. you know, in their pain. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you have to say anything or or necessarily have an answer. Sometimes you just need to be there and to love and just and just give them a place. And so, um, you know, Phoenix First Assembly, you know, Pastor Tommy Barnett and their staff and Leo and Molly Godzich, um, Gwen and Arnold Tackett, these were few people that knew what we were going through and they loved us. Yeah. They loved us. They were our 911. Yeah. Giving us help and strength to keep it through they that were, day. They were just, safe. Just help me get through this day. Yeah. And that's what that was like. And so I had a thought and an image because we were there for pastor school and we were just in so much pain. But I remember that afternoon when I had a thought and the thought was, what do I do if as a result of the affair, you're pregnant? I had had a vasectomy and... And I, I'm having these glimmers of hope that there might be rescue, there, there might be a future. But if you're pregnant, then it's over. Then, it's, mm. then that's the game changer. And I remember walking across the parking lot, just you and I and Leo, and I dropped this bombshell of a question on him, thinking he'll be stumped, not knowing how to respond. Mm-hmm. So I said, Leo, what do I do if as a result of the affair, Audrey's pregnant? And without hesitation, he turns to me and says, Bob, God's grace will be more than enough for you. I felt like that was the most unfair religious statement he could have ever said. Because I, I felt like, who are you? I mean, this is my life. Mm-hmm. And for you to give a flippant response like that of God's grace being enough, like this is, I mean, what planet are you coming from? Mm-hmm. But I didn't say these words, but I'm feeling them on the inside. Like, what what more are you going to ask of me? But then I hear the still small voice of the Lord in my heart. And he says to me, Bob, stop. This man knows something about my nature and character that you know nothing about. My grace will be more than enough for you. Wow. You see, this this happened in nanoseconds. In moments, the Lord spoke to my heart. But that changed the trajectory. In other words, God, I don't know you like I need to. Yeah. I'm crazy. I'm insane right now. You know, I am so ravished with anger. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful one moment and in the depths of despair the next. And for, for the, to have the thought that your grace, your enablement, your empowerment 
for my life could be my reality. It's beyond. It, it's unfathomable. But I believe that's how extreme and extravagant the love of God really is. And I think it's in those valleys. I never knew the valleys would be this deep in our relationship. But it's in those valleys that we invite God in and we found out, find out something about him that is almost like, I never knew you could be this real yeah. and this loving. This is almost too good to be true. I'm in so much pain, but you are my confidant. You are my best friend. You are closer than a brother. You are everything you said what you would be. But most of all, Bob, you're so real. And yeah. that's, that's how it played out those next few weeks because it was just a couple weeks later that I'd missed my period and we were scared out of our minds. We kept taking pregnancy tests yeah, saying it can't be, it can't be, it can't be, it can't be. We were just like, it can't be. We'll just go to a doctor. We finally just actually went to a doctor, took a blood test, and they said, yeah, it's positive. You're going to be having a baby. And I remember, <sighs> I remember, oh boy, do I remember that. I that remember day. that doctor's office, I remember office, the sitting hallway. in the parking lot before we went in. Yeah. We were calling the 1-800 number on the pregnancy test See, boxes. what are the odds? What are the chances? Yep. We went in. We're sitting there. And then I opened the door as we're waiting for the doctor. And I see our file hanging on the door. And it says positive. I remember closing the door and coming back in and sitting down. And here I am being faced with a new reality. This is a new normal that we're being faced yes. with. Yes. We didn't exchange words with each other and the doctor The come. silence in there, Bob, <clears throat> because I saw the sign too, Bob, just to let you know, I saw that sign too. Yeah. And just the, we had no words for each no. other. The fear. And the doctor came so in huge. as we were seated there and he sat right in front of us, inches from our face. And he says, the results are positive. And I'm sure he could just see the despair. And his next words were this. Do you want to continue the pregnancy? And without hesitation, I said, yes, without a doubt. And I don't know how we, you did it, we Bob. left that doctor's office, Audrey, clinging to my arm. You know, her strength, her strength was gone. And all of a sudden, I, in that moment, I really did know that I was being asked you know, something was being required of me where I needed to know the grace of God for my life. Now it's not just about us, but there's a baby involved. We, we knew that baby. I knew what I went through walking out of that doctor's office was the baby's not going to look like the other kids. And the kids, our other three children are so much older. And a couple things. First of all, Everyone in the world will know the most stupid and selfish thing that I've ever done. Generations after me will know that I'm the grandma that did that. Everything that I wanted to be as a world changer and love people through my life was now a disqualification and that I was a fool. I was, there was no hope for my future and that my life was basically over. And I also felt like, how are my my three kids, who I love so much, are going to have to pay for this to see what their mom did this awful, despicable thing, and now they're going to have to live with this reality as well. Yeah. Audrey, we've kind of run out of time in, in this episode. What a lovely place to leave uh -huh. everyone. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, we'll continue the the story immediately following in, in our next episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I want to say right now is that I, I don't know what impossibility you might be facing. But you might need somebody just to come alongside you and say there's a grace in God. Not to make your life miserable, not to make your life difficult or, or demanding anything from you, but there's a grace for you to discover how phenomenal his love really is, how extravagant it is. And that could you begin to possibly imagine, you know, even though you're, you feel as though you're devastated, but that, there, but that there is hope for you. If you're in the valley of pain right now, why don't you just ask God? God, meet me here. Yeah. Hold me here. Yeah. Love me here. God is not judging you there. He's not demanding from you there. He is holding you and loving you. He's carrying you. He's covering you. So if you're there, say, I need you, God. Mm-hmm. And also another thing you can do is remember. Remember a time when you've gone through a painful time in your past. Just think about it right now as you're listening. Do you remember that painful time? Do you remember that God was so close to you during that time. He didn't leave you for one second. Just imagine him holding you through those those times when you were in a lot of pain. You never knew the valley would be that deep. But just know that you also don't know in those times how high the mountains can go and how God can bring you through and bring you to the next level of experiencing his love. Relationships are worth fighting for. They're worth getting through. They're worth waking up the next day and the next day and the next day. The next days for us were not easy, but we kept waking up and we kept saying anything for Mm -hmm. you, God. Just help us through. We need you, God. Yeah, You might be facing a new normal and one that you didn't choose, but but it's a reality, but it doesn't have to define you. Right. Would you allow the love of God and the grace of God, the Mm -hmm. mercy of God to define your life. Don't allow your circumstances to define you. But through this process, this is an invitation for you to experience a transformed heart and to really begin to experience new heights, to begin to remove those limiting beliefs and those lies that have brought you to where you are. I want you to know that God's not opposing you. He's not punishing you. He's not making life difficult for you. But what he wants you to do is to truly experience life in its abundance. Until next time, I want you to feel the love of God's presence. Please keep listening to this podcast because this is not the end of our story. Mm -hmm. And please know that, that, that the investment you make into your, to this, just listening to these principles are going to set you up for freedom, restoration, and redemption like you could never have even imagined. Because with God, all things are possible. Good. Thanks, everyone, for investing in your life. And I'm believing for new beginnings, a bright future, and a bright hope for you.